Good day, my name is Marshall Abbott. I am the CEO of Aero Exploration Corp. We are a, a very strong value proposition in the Colombian oil and gas basins. Uh, I've got 35 years of experience in, in building companies and selling them successfully. Uh, we came into this particular opportunity two years ago. And uh, as I said, the value prop proposition is quite material and real. And we're looking forward to exploiting this asset in what is one of the premier fiscal regimes in the world, as well as from a geological setting, one of the more attractive uh, technical prospects in the world. Marshall, thanks very much for that introduction. We've not met or spoken before. Keen to hear uh, your story. Um, I was trying to start with understanding the, the guests and what their relevant experience is. So you, you said you've done had some success, success in the past. Can you kind of talk us through that and why it's relevant to what you've got here today? Sure. So um, I was educated in Canada, in Calgary. My family's been in the oil business since 1949. Um, I have started, uh, bought and sold eight different entities, uh, both domestically and internationally, all for profit. Uh, that is the way we operate. I've got a very solid core group of partners. Uh, we've done this together over the passage of time recently. Um, most recently, I sold a, an oil asset in Canada to a, a Cambodian casino billionaire who's looking for diversity in his particular asset mix. And uh, we sold that for a significant profit. Uh, two days later, we moved to Colombia. I think I know him. I did some work for him. <laughs> Small world. <laughs> Naga? Um, yes. There yeah. you go. <laughs> I did some work for him. I did not know that. Right, there we go. Um, okay, so so you, you've been able to make money um, with these projects. Obviously, it's been a difficult time in oil and gas um, for the last few years. I think a lot of retail investors looking in have, have avoided it, but prices are back up. Um, deals are being done, um, and I think people are looking at this again. So I want to understand it, what it is that you've got, um, and, and I will talk about those projects in a sec in, in, in Colombia and, and Canada. Um with with regards to the the rest of the team, have you kind of you know brought the brought the band along with you, or have you sort of walked into a, a situation? So uh, it's a bit of both. I brought a band with me of trusted partners, and uh, we were brought in to uh, resurrect or or pull an entity out of the ashes that has suffered through seven years of commodity price collapse. And so uh, we like the opportunity. Uh, we've cleaned it up considerably. It's taken a bunch of effort, but um, uh, we have a very strong balance sheet and a very healthy prospect portfolio that is very low risk. And, uh, as we proceed through the low risk exploitation of the asset, we will then pivot to low risk exploration by shooting uh, very focused 3D seismic programs, which is the key in Columbia. Uh, 3D has really opened up the basin. You wanna know the highest point of the structure uh, 2D data won't do that for you, but we do have a very significant 2D grid. And uh, uh, with the leads that we developed and defined on the 2D grid, we're going to then shoot 3D. And that increases your chance of success beyond 80%. Okay, well, I, mean, I promise we'll, we'll allow you to get technical in a second there, because I think it, it, it's going it's to be critical um, to, the, to the conversation. But if I'm looking, looking at your portfolio now, there's the construct that you kind of got uh, inherited a Canadian uh, 
asset. You know, not 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 too shabby a postcode either, or zip code. I think you guys say. Um, and then there's the kind of Colombian. You've kind of got the, the the sweet and the heavy there. So I want to want to want to talk about those in a second. So. And, I, and as I'm sort of keen to understand how you, because it's a small company, right? You're sort of sub 50 million market cap, right? And so the, the decision making down here is very, very important. Every dollar spent is really, really important. Uh, every dollar raised is really, really important. And the cost of that is important. So with regards to um, the portfolio, you're, you, you, you're making some choices about how you play it. So can we, can we talk about what are you going to do with the Canadian asset? So the, the Canadian asset is a very interesting asset, and it is occupied by really the most sought-after play in Western Canada, which is called the Montney, the Jurassic Montney. We have 36 square miles of Montney freehold mineral rights. Uh, on that, we have a, a CPR of 1.8 TCF gas initially in place. So it's a, a, a very resource-rich part of the basin. And to actually um, uh, build that kind of land base now would be almost impossible because of the popularity of the play, the robust gas prices that are enjoyed in Western Canada and the, the liquid, liquids that come out with that particular asset. Uh, we have inherited two wells that were drilled onto it. They go down to 10,000 feet and then horizontally for up to two miles. There are eight to $10 million wells, but the, the gas and the liquids comes out fast. Uh, we are not going to do any of that drilling ourselves. We're looking at optionality on that particular asset, either to farm it out to some of the regional players or to monetize the asset, which we think we'll be successful in. Uh, we would then use that cash flow and focus it on the Colombian assets that have a much higher rate of return and uh, very comparable reserves from an oil perspective. Okay, so, so that's quite interesting. So you, you're, you're, you're looking to bring someone else in there because... I mean, why, why, why is that? Why, why not go and do it yourself? Is, is it the distraction of raising capital to be able to go and do it? Is it the cost of the, 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 the drilling and likelihood of success? Or why, why are you sort of putting that to the side, as it were? Well, when we rank our, our, our prospects, our opportunities, uh, it doesn't rise to the top. And so we're looking for capital efficiency, uh, low finding costs, recycle ratio that makes sense. And uh, although there's quite a bit of gas in place, it's going to take a, a bit of effort, quite a considerable amount of effort to get that into PDP volumes. Right, but you, you, but you don't need to do this. Because you know, when, no. when, when you're a sort of distressed seller, there's a massive discount. If you need to do something within a time frame, there's, a, there's, there's always going to be a massive discount. Um, in, this, in this instance, you don't mind whether you flip it entirely or you retain some kind of carried interest in it, knowing that the the likely cash flow is much further down the line. So you don't have a preference per se. Well, it's uh, a very good point that we're, we're patient. We have tenure. Uh, those lands are, are going to be uh, preserved for the next five years. So uh, from the perspective of pursuing that play and trying to uh, offset or pause our Colombian development effort, uh, it's just not as efficient. Okay, understood. I, I, just, I think it's always important just to kind of lay, lay out the stool clearly so people know what they're walking into as investors. Okay, so let's let's bounce down to uh, Columbia. Um, what, one, how did you pick up the assets there? You've got to, you've got two assets. So uh, the assets were picked up uh, initially in 2018, 2019. Uh, these assets were spin-off 
of the oil assets of a company called Canacol, which is a Canadian company that is the largest natural gas producer in Colombia. Um, they own 20% of the company. They have significant gravitas in country. And we are dealing with some of the concessions and blocks that they had managed to cobble together over the last 10 years. Uh, their focus has been on natural gas. So they felt that uh, starting a sidecar and exploiting the assets in the sidecar was a much more reasonable business plan. So that, that's the history of the blocks that we've got. Uh, the blocks are very prospective in the heart of the most prolific basins uh, in Colombia. Uh, the fiscal regime is top tier worldwide, and uh, uh, the profitability is excellent. Uh, the tax regime is very positive. It's an English-Canadian model, so it makes life simple. They've had 80 years of production in these basins. Oil is a big component of the GDP of the country. It's important. So uh, we look to exploit these assets that uh, basically landed in our lap. And it wasn't, I think it was, uh, I think, was it Dave Winter was the geo on the can of coal? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, again, yeah, involved in that. A lot of crossover in this interview. Um, <laughs> um, we sh right. So, so, so let, let's again, so just kind of keep it simple for folks. You, you've got, you've got sweet oil and you've got heavy. Um, so again, with, with the heavy, what's the intent there? So the heavy is a 10% working interest in a heavy oil field that, uh, is operated by a Chinese concern called Sanokem, one of the bigger Chinese companies in the world. I think they've got a market cap of 55 billion. They're getting out of the upstream business, but with a 10% working interest, we can't control our destiny there. That's about 200 barrels a day net to us. Uh, it's nine to 11 API crude, very low viscosities, but it does produce uh, without any kind of stimulation. However, <clears throat> there is a steam flood ongoing uh, we see much better use of capital in other stuff. We're going to put that back to Sinochem and uh, focus our efforts on the Llanos Basin and the Middle Magdalena Basin in Colombia. Much more conventional. Much more conventional, better better netbacks, etc. But so just just on the number side of thing. So what's that worth to you in terms of the the the, the cash flows or, or potential? offloading, um, what, what, what would that bring into the company? So on today's Brent prices, that would bring likely two to $4 million into the company. Okay. So it's not, it's not, it's not significant in that sense and, and possibly even a, a, a distraction, but it, they, that, that as a lump sum would, would be quite useful um, with, with you kind of the core focus. So, so, why, why, so why, don't, why don't we um, look at what you want to focus on? Let's, let's start with the, the why, the, the, the economics look very good, um, but it's 13, 1400 barrels of de BOE a day. So it, it's small now. What, what do you think the possibilities are? What, 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 are you, what are you excited about? Well, on the, on the assets we currently have in place, <clears throat> uh, the low, lower risk of the, the spectrum of opportunity is uh, pursuing uh, these well-established plays in the Llanos Basin in Colombia. Uh, these wells cost about $2.4 million. Uh, when using a for forecast production rate of 360 barrels a day net to us, these wells pay out in six to seven months. They're so six, six to seven months, not 67 months, yeah? Correct. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Just, Sorry. Poor addiction. <laughs> okay. So that's quick. 
Right. It is quick. Uh, the service industry in Colombia is very robust. It's got history. Uh, the technical expertise in Colombia is fabulous. We have a very efficient 20-person office in Bogota. Uh, world headquarters is in Canada. Uh, so the, the technical abilities and the financial abilities of the crew that we've got is, is fantastic. Uh, the people are our strongest asset, of course. Uh, ESG is also very important to us in, in these basins. And uh, just a small note of interest in the Llanos Basin, uh, these reservoirs are charged by rainwater out of the Andes. So there's excellent pressure support. You ultimately recover much more crude on primary production because of the strength of those aquifers. And also because of that, there's no natural gas entrained in the system. So we're not flaring any gas. So that makes our ESG very positive. Our GHGs are very low. Uh, at the same time, we're showing excellent profitability by exploiting these reservoirs. Uh, they're very visible on 3D seismic. They're very visible when we use our downhole tools to measure the properties. And it's very straightforward in getting this oil out quickly and to market. Right. And, and you are paid when? So a uh, very interesting point. As we produce, we produce into our existing production facilities. Uh, we get paid a month in advance by another Canadian entity that operates in country. They use our crude as a diluent. And so we enjoy Brent pricing less of the two to four dollar differential called the Vasconia differential. As I mentioned, they pay us a month in advance. And we have a, a true up every 30 days. So there's no risk in getting our pipeline or getting our product all the way to the Caribbean refineries that exist in Colombia. Fantastic. And the net, net back is plus 50 bucks. Correct. Right. Okay. Yes. So that's pretty punchy. Six to seven months um, payback pay on this. So that all looks quite good. So the, 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 I guess the challenge ahead or the narrative ahead, which you, you will want to talk about, I'm sure, is how do you scale this thing up quickly, given that economics look like they do? Well, that's a very good question. So if we just focus in on the uh, Tapir block in the Llanos Basin, the Tapir block is 100 square miles. Uh, the fault trends that penetrate that block are, are very recognizable. There's six separate fault trends. We're focusing on one initially, uh, a second one towards the end of the year. These fault blocks are well-defined by 3D seismic, 80% uh, chance of success that they're filled with oil when you have three-way closure up against a fault. So it's very straightforward. It's a play type that's been pursued for the last 30 years in Colombia. And 3D seismic has really opened it up. Okay. Uh, so so tell me, this is really important because that, that success rate, and so that, that hit rate is is, is, critical, is key here. And I'd also like to understand the, the decline rates as part of your answer, um, which is, so it's been, op people operated that model for the last 30 years. You guys are, the great thing about oil is we judge you almost on a daily basis. <laughs> it's like you're either hitting the numbers or you're not, and you're replenishing or you're not. Um, so what what is the what's the what are the kind of opex costs um, um, around the kind of drill planning component? If, if you know what I mean. So not not how do the, how quickly do the drills pay back, but in terms of this three D component, any seismic that you're doing, how much does that cost? And well, uh, that's that's a good question. So there was existing 3D seismic on the block that uh, was held both by Canacol and, and other portions of a 3D were uh, submitted to the government as part of the work commitment. The work commitment has been entirely satisfied in the Tapir block, so that's not an issue. 
But from an operating standpoint, if we just look at lifting costs, currently in the Tapir block, we're at about $15 a barrel. Uh, as we add volumes, that's going to come down in our estimation to $9 or $10 a barrel. So from an operating standpoint, it's, it's very straightforward, one of the most efficient uh, reservoirs I've dealt with and, and just addressing the decline issue. So these wells come on very strong. As I mentioned, they're supported by an aquifer that comes out of the Andes, rain, rainwater charged. And uh, as we produce these, they typically produce 90 to 120 days water free. And then the water shows up. So you have to be able to handle that water. We dispose of the water uh, in disposal wells. And uh, that keeps our operating costs from getting any lower than about nine bucks a barrel. But uh, the water is quite fresh, which is uh, very surprising. And uh, the ability to deal with it efficiently uh, cer certainly adds to the bottom line. Uh, these wells will then decline at about 20% per year. Okay. It's not bad. Um, so, so again, it, it's 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 sweet. So I, I guess you've no problem selling it. You're selling it at the wellhead. You're making good margin. So come back to the the question around how do you scale this thing up? How do you finance the scaling of of this? Right, because you you can you've got well, what's your land package at the moment, and, and what do you know about it? So in the Tapir block, it's 100 square miles, and uh, on the assets that we've recognized and identified in the Tapir block, uh, we think we'll be able to get to 3,000 barrels a day in, in 15 months. And that's exploiting both the RCE uh, production base. We have existing production at RCE. Uh, we are intending to drill, uh, spud the first well of March 15th, approximately. Uh, the wells take two weeks to drill, another two weeks to production test. We use very high volume submersible pumps to get the commodity out quickly. And uh, so just within the, the Tapir block itself on RCE and then a subsequent fault trend called Carrizales Norte, uh, we see very low risk getting us to 3,000 barrels a day. Uh, on the bulk of our, our blocks within Colombia, we see line of sight to 10,000 barrels a day in three to four years. But how do you so, do that? How do you pay? Do you do that from cash flows, which case you're, you're, the money's going back in the ground? Or do you go out to market and say, hey, we're, we know what we're doing now. We've cleaned up the, the portfolio and we're focused on, on this. Do you go and raise a big chunk of change and say, right, let, let, we can really hammer this out quickly? So from uh, the initial development drilling that we're going to do at RCE and ultimately at Carrizales Norte, we're fully financed. So we're fully funded. The balance sheet is strong. Uh, the share price is through the issue price, which is very positive. And so we see no need in the near time, uh, in near term, having to come back to the market to, to raise more equity. I think uh, as we start to approach that 3,000 barrel a day number, we'll look at uh, what other options there are on funding more aggressively, uh, certainly res reserve-based lending we'd look at. Uh, uh, we are and have the ability to, to uh, access reserve-based lending. Uh, debt can be your friend for sure. <clears throat> We're very sensitive to debt. And uh, ultimately, as we approach 3,000 barrels a day on our way to 10,000 barrels a day over the next uh, two to three years, we would look at becoming a dividend issuer, uh, ultimately looking at all options. Another thing that is available to us within the Colombian basins, <clears throat> some of these bigger companies are 
uh, focusing on much b- bigger prospects and they're looking to decant assets. We'll certainly be in the market to uh, to look at these acquisition opportunities. So we have a, a multi-pronged focus on building the company to 10,000 barrels a day. That's the fascinating bit for me. And that, that's where I also wonder about your your, your strategy, the, you know, the, the aggressive intent of your strategy. So you, you're good for cash, don't get, need to go out and raise money, self, self-funding, great. But with the decanting of these projects, the majors are under a lot of pressure. They're a lot under pressure from activist investors, from the funds themselves, um, to, um, well, either clean up their act or, or, or offload or reduce the dependency in oil, um, and gas on, on their, their, the balance sheet, as it were. There's big opportunities here. So if, if you found yourself in a position where you, saw a project of a, of a size which allow you to scale meaningfully, are you averse to actually um, going to the, the capital markets and or, or whatever structured finance that you can have put in place? Uh, we're certainly not adverse. Uh, the, the key component there would be to ensure that it's accretive. And so from that perspective, a uh, combination of debt and equity would would uh, give us the, the best multiple expansion possibility. And uh, uh, with the prospectivity that we see in the basin and, and some of these very large companies moving their assets, uh, you know, it's really how we've made our living over the, the past number of years is combining uh, low risk drilling with acquisition opportunities and taking advantage of that market. We look at assets and if we know that we can ultimately double or triple the production out of that asset, then we'll be very aggressive in picking it up. And that, that makes it far more accretive point forward. So we're, we're not into it for just buying production for the sake of production. Uh, we're looking to optimize and be more efficient. Okay, efficient is the key word. Coming back to the Columbia, Columbia itself, um, Colombian government, obviously oil and gas is a significant part of its uh, economy, uh, its exports. Um, what what are the terms under which you work? I mean, what what, what are the royalty rates like? What um, restrictions are there? It can't all be a, a, a bed of roses. Um, and how do you get your money out of the country? Good question. So as a bit of background, uh, oil and gas is 30% of the, the exports of the country. It's very important to the country. And it's been well recognized. Uh, at one point, Colombia was producing a million barrels a day. It's been reduced to about 750,000 barrels a day. They have a, a mandate to get back to a million barrels a day. Uh, on the concessions that we hold, our, our royalty is approximately 10%. It can vary between 8 and 12. And uh, we have significant uh, tax pools and losses that will protect us uh, protect our income f- for the foreseeable future. So from a fiscal regime perspective, it is in the top decile worldwide of being one of the more uh, attractive basins to operate in. Okay. And um, just want to talk to you about blue sky opportunities, right? You, you, you talk in the presentation, some of the releases about Oso Pardo um, as a significant part of your future strategy. So what, what can you tell me about that well, uh, also Pardo is a very, very interesting asset. Uh, it's got three wells producing on it right now. We do have a proprietary 3D that exists over the asset. Uh, <clears throat> we have 
technically defined a much larger oil accumulation than was originally thought based uh, on our analysis. Uh, we are forecasting no additional production coming out of there. We've had two separate independent studies done on the Osopardo asset. Uh, we have applied for a block extension that will encompass the entire oil accumulation that we see. These block extensions do have precedent. Uh, we're the only, per only company to have the 3D. We have existing production. So uh, we see the potential in Osopardo to add upwards of 3,500 to 4,000 barrels a day of production. Again, it's sweet like crude, comes out fast, and these wells are very cheap at 3,000 feet. Uh, and they pay out in three to four months. So it's an exciting opportunity for us, and we're just weaving our way through the uh, regulator's bureaucracy to get the extension approved. The bureaucracy everywhere, isn't there? Um, this, uh, this is another um, Canacol project, is it? That's correct. Uh, Canacol drilled the discovery well. Got it, okay. Uh, and then two subsequent wells. Those wells have produced far more oil than was originally conceived if you just applied a volumetric factor to them. There's a bigger asset in place here. The pressures have not dropped. The 3D shows the trapping mechanism. It's, it's quite visible and we uh, assess it at being very low risk. Okay, and, and other operators in, in the basin? Middle Mag Basin is probably the second most prolific in Colombia. Uh, yeah, all the, all the bigger names are, are operating uh, in the middle Magdalena. Uh, just as a point of interest, in the most recent bid round, uh, Parex, which is one, one of the more successful independents in the country at 45,000 barrels a day, surrounded our blocks in the bid round by picking up additional blocks. So that's, uh, I think, in itself indicates the prospectivity uh, of the assets that we have in place right now. It does. It does. Okay. So, what what are we looking forward to in twenty twenty two? You obviously had a good end to uh, last last year and into this. Um, you're fully financed, so it's a question of just wait for the drill results. Is it? That's right. So, as I mentioned, um, the first well will be drilled in the middle of March. Two weeks to drill it. Another two weeks to production test it. Uh, likely four separate hydrocarbon bearing horizons on the way down to 10,000 feet. Um, we have offsetting production that proves up the concept. So it's very low risk. Uh, we'll drill an initial well followed by a second well followed by a third well. And then we'll go back to the initial well, the RCE1 well. There are three zones that uh, uh, have not been exploited in that particular well bore and we'll get that production up. So. Just based on the, the Tapir block alone, we're going to get a long ways to where our exit rates are forecast. So what, what do you know about these these horizons at the moment? So what's, what's, yeah, I know you talked so, about it being up against a fault. Is, is something that you're looking for? But can you just give us a little bit more technical um, about what, how you understand sure, it? Sure, sure. So uh, the, the fault trends are the trapping mechanism. And uh, compressional tectonics have created these domal features juxtaposed against the faults. Uh, the initial well drilled, RCE1, penetrated four separate hydrocarbon bearing zones down to 10,000 feet. They chose the shallowest zone to complete at that time. And uh, that particular zone came on at 750 barrels a day. Uh, but based on downhole logging results uh, and 
the mud logger gas chromatograph, we've identified, and it's been rather well accepted technically uh, by independent bodies, that there are three other zones that are hydrocarbon bearing on the way down to 10,000 feet. So we're looking to exploit that asset a little more aggressively. Uh, in Colombia, you are able in some instances to co-mingle two separate reservoirs into one wellbore. We'll be looking to do that to ensure that we're not uh, spending too much capital exploiting the asset. So uh, from the perspective of producing efficiently and quickly, uh, that's how we prefer to operate. Okay, and are you experiencing any issues with, in terms of supply chain issues in country? Obviously, you, you're, you're producing and et cetera, and we've talked to lots of companies about just in, t just in time versus, um, you know, having backups. And what's it like actually like operating in, in country from that perspective? Well, a very good question. So as I mentioned, the service sector is very robust in Colombia. Uh, all the bigger names are recognizable there, Schlumberger, Baker Hughes, Precision Drilling. Uh, we had no issues in retaining a rig that's going to drill up the entire program. Uh, all the supporting materials that we require are in place. We've got uh, drilling mud. Uh, an interesting side point was the tubulars that are required, the steel that we are utilizing to, uh, to case this series of wells. Uh, there's a worldwide shortage of, of steel right now. Um, but because of the connections we have with our nationals uh, in country, we've been able to establish basically a, uh, a constant feed of casein and tubulars that uh, will ensure there's no delays in getting this production on stream. Good. Okay. Now, it, it, it's it's imp it's important part of the discussion to, to understand because you talk about efficiencies. You need efficiencies across the board, and sometimes those those small things can make. Uh, such a big difference in terms of timing. So, look, um, well, I, 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 I've enjoyed that conversation. I've, I've, I've certainly learned a lot more um, about how you're going about it. Um, and I can sort of, I'm, I'm keen to stay in touch and see how you get on with this, with this drilling. Um, so, I appreciate your time today. Thank you, Marshall. Well, I certainly appreciate your interest and, and your uh, rather in depth knowledge of how things work in this business. Um, again, we appreciate your time. I look forward to continuing the narrative. <laughs>